Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, Athletes Made Here. The Sports Performance Center was developed with one goal in mind, to maximize human performance through movement and recovery. Their team of expert performance sports coaches and trainers will guide you to achieve your performance goals. That's the Baylor Scott & White Sports Performance Center, located at the Star in Frisco. This episode is also brought to you by Allen Dental Studio, located off Bethany drive in Allen. Their office was designed with you, the patient, in mind, which means an excellent and enjoyable experience. From cosmetics to implants, you deserve a perfect smile, and Allen Dental Studio can make that happen. Also, don't want to leave out another longtime friend of the podcast, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. With locations in Carrollton and Dallas, Texan Senior Residential Care Homes offers an affordable, high-quality alternative to senior living. Call now at 469-400-7650. That's Texen, spelled T-E-X-S-E-N, Texen Senior Residential Care Homes. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy. It is a Monday afternoon. It's been a busy, busy Monday already, Brian. We we did our all-area volleyball team voting earlier in the day. It's been moving day for Star Local Media in general. We've uh, officially moved into our new office. Um, I, don't know if, I don't know if the viewers can tell. We're in a different setup. I mean... No, it's just uh, this nice little green or kind of like a I mean, yeah, bluish, greenish background yeah. or whatnot behind the banner and whatnot. So uh, it's it's been a it's been a busy day. We don't have any construction noises in the background. Thank what God. A nightmare. That was that was the what worst. That was the worst dude. last week. Again, sincerest apologies for y'all. And if anybody who was able to make it through the entire episode last week without batting an eye, you're a, you're a warrior and a hero. Um, so yes, we are all moved into our, our new digs, and um, the podcast must go on. Um, nevertheless, hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Brian, hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well, buddy. I did. I had the best Black Friday ever. <laughs> we'll talk about that. In a little bit. Did you? Did you ever, man? So, uh, yes. So, um, it is Monday, though. We have to talk the high school football playoffs. And as the title of this podcast um, would elude, we are down to uh, four teams left in the high school football playoffs. We have three that are still in contention for state championships in the UIL brackets. And then we have one who will go for a state championship over in the TAPS private school bracket on Friday. So, let's talk about those teams that are still alive and kicking. And then we will, uh, on the second half of the podcast, we can talk to talk about a few of the teams that have played their final games of the season over the weekend. Brian, you just talked about your Black Friday, man, and it was probably, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, at least around the area, the most anticipated uh, third-round matchup of the uh, of the postseason. It happened again, man. I mean, Lone Star and Highland Park, we knew that they were destined for a playoff rematch. The game definitely took on a much different scope than that first meeting, mm-hmm. um, but the, the outcome stays the same, and the Rangers do it again and knock off the Scots for the second time this season um, in what sounded like just an absolute incredible football game. The rematch, it was as advertised. Man, it, it was it was better than the, the first showdown between the two, which was a little lopsided. You know, you saw Lone Star kind of jump out on, on Highland Park, you know, back in September 20, 24 to nothing. You're like, what is going on? 
Well, it looked like that was going to be the case uh, Friday night at AT&T Stadium. You know, and Marvin Mims, you know, scored just four plays in, and I tweeted it out, and I was just, you know, super hyped up. I was like, who else? <laughs> Marvin Mims, let's go. And, you know, it was like, are we, are we really about to go through this again? You know, you know, Lone Star kind of give it to Highland Park a little bit, but that wasn't the case. You know, Chandler Morris and, and the Scots, they played much, mm-hmm. much better. They were at the, to- at the top of their game. Um, you know, Morris had three total touchdowns in this game, over 300 total yards in this game. He didn't turn the ball over in this game. The Lone Star still wins. Yeah. It, it, when you have Garrett Rangel you know, going for 417 yards and three touchdowns, it, despite your, your your ground game only going for 46 total yards, Jake Bogdan was kind of held in check. And then Jaden Nixon, who scored the game-winning touchdown, who wasn't even with Lone Star you know, a year ago. He was at McKinney Boyd. Yeah. Uh, and then his dad you know, coaches you know, with Lone Star and whatnot. And he makes the move. And the junior scores the game-winning touchdown in overtime from 18 yards out. Take away that run, Lone Star only has, what, 30-something rushing yards for the game. And, it, it, and the, to be able to do that and still beat you know, Highland Park, the three-time defending mm-hmm. state champs, we're going to have a new a new state champion in 5A Division One. For the first time since, what, 2015? 2015. Somebody who's not yeah. named Highland Park is going to have a state championship exactly. in 5A D1? Yeah, yeah, this Highland Park team that has given you know Spencer Sanders some fits over at Denton Ryan over the years. and, and But Lone Star, man, there. I told Coach Rayburn in the tunnel after the game, we were kind of walking out together, and I said, man, y'all have to win state now, man. There's, <laughs> yeah, you there. can't not beat Highland Park and then just you know let up in the, yeah. in the next round in oh, the semis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know it, it doesn't get easier. I, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. There's still some teams, you know, they that face a, Lanc- a Lancaster team, you know, Friday night in Rockwall that, you know, that they've had been battle-tested. They've faced three of the top offenses in the entire state, regardless of classification. When you're talking the Colony, mm-hmm. McKinney North, yeah. probably the best, arguably the best offense, you know, in well, everywhere, uh, putting up crazy numbers. They shut them down. And then, obviously, Independence last week, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. You know, that Lancaster defense is legit. And if... Lone Star can get by them, then they'd have to potentially face a Denton Ryan team and you know in the state semis and it's not gonna be easy, but they are the clear cut favorites to win the state championship now, now that they've knocked out Highland Park. So much about that first game was that was really kind of the first note this season that the uh, the Marvin Mims spectacle was um, was just gonna be on another level with that Man. performance that he had in that first game against Highland Park. Um, did you kinda get the sense that they were uh, basically going to try to do everything in their power to not let him do a, you know kind of have that same impact on the game this time? Marvin Mims was blanketed and double teamed and had safety help over the top the entire game, the entire night. That first drive, they kind of pulled some trickery. Actually, the first play was a pass to Marvin Mims. He throws it back to Rangel, and then he launches it deep. I believe it was Trace Bruckler that hauled in that first catch of the game, and that really got them going and got them in, in deep in Highland Park territory, and that's why they scored on that first drive so quick. You know, because you know, Rayburn and Mark Humble, you know, one of the best offensive coordinators in the state, they pulled out some, some big-time trickery to, to start off the game, trying to kind of give them a little a little uppercut there um, but you know other than that first drive when Mims scored and then Mims had a spectacular catch in double coverage kind of was a slip up by the Highland Park secondary I'm not sure what was going on there it was on fourth down by the way in that second half uh, Lone Star was down at that point um, what was the score it was 24 to 20 uh, Lone Star was losing then they drive down drive down drive down they face a fourth down and the play I'm talking about is when Garrett Ringel just lobs it up 
to, to Marvin Mims in the end zone and catches it in double coverage. Um, other than that, I mean, he had six catches, 96 yards, two touchdowns. Still it, really good. Oh, yeah. that's a career day for most receivers yeah. anywhere. Um, but for him, that's, you know, eh, a little subpar. Because you know, for him, it's 200 yards, three touchdowns. That's his, that's his you know, average right there. But it let guys like Trace Buckler, who is a oh. phenomenal receiver, he's been doing – He's been balling all season. Like, okay, he had 14 catches for 163 yards. He did not score, but he also drew multiple defensive pass interference penalties in this game. He was he was a major impact. You could say he was the most impactful player on the offense, um, right there next to a Marvin Mims. You know, more than a Jaden Nixon. He allowed guys like Tolo Sequoia to catch a big touchdown in the early in the second half. He had 73 receiving yards. Like, who? You know, for the person that doesn't really hasn't maybe seen Lone Star player doesn't really cover them. It's like, who are these guys? Who's Trace Burkler? Who's Who's Jaden Nixon? Well, those guys, you know, it's not just Jake Bogdan. It's not just Marvin Mims. You know, there's a collection of guys. There's a reason why this team is number one in the state. And when you focus so much attention on Marvin Mims, a really, really, really good player like Trace Bruckler, who's only a junior, who I think undoubtedly will play D1 college football somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the size 6'3 and still growing. You know, guys like that, you know, they're going to ball out and they're going to do their thing. And he did that against a really good Highland Park team. And Trace Bruckler, man, he, his name is now going to be recognized, you know, in the, the high school football uh, Texas universe here in these coming weeks. And you just you wonder what the uh, just the collective sentiment around that program is because it's one thing, you know, to do it against Highland Park in September. And granted, they did it in you know, in Highlander Stadium where nobody's, you know, Texas team has won since 1998. And beat them at AT&T, which is pretty much their second home over the last decade. I know. Decade. That's the thing. Because, like, there was, like, on the picket line, you know, you and I, you know, were still thinking that Lone Star had enough in the tank to get it done, but we were at a disadvantage, you know, as the uh, as the other three members of the staff. When are people going to stop picking against Lone Star? <laughs> it's, but that was the thing, just because, like, you know, it's one thing to do it in the regular season, but Highland Park does have that pedigree in the playoffs. They do. Using those intangibles into AT&T Stadium that you just can't really, you know, Know, really put a put a statistic on so for uh, you know for Lone Star to be able to do that to uh, to Highland Park on a stage like that and a venue like that it really does kind of validate mm-hmm. that this team is um, at least you know right now the the best in 5A Division One and mm-hmm. yeah I mean you knock off Highland Park and I mean granted you look at the rest of the bracket I mean there's still plenty of difficult matchups remaining if they're able to I mean they you know as we'll talk about later on like Lancaster is going to present an entirely new bag of problems for them and then if they get past them then they might see Denton Ryan and then there's still Shadow Creek over in the other half of the uh, of the bracket. It's still a long way to go. Yeah, Den Ryan ranked number three right now. Shadow Creek ranked number yeah. two. And Lancaster, I think, was number six last time I saw. So yeah. they'd have to go through all three of those teams yeah. on top of already beating Highland Park, that emotional high of beating Highland yeah. Park. You know, how do you gear up and, and get your guys ready to play another game, a more round, multiple games for a state title? It felt like they won the championship last week against Highland Park. There were so many videos on Twitter and everything of, of the scene, the celebration. You you, know, you have Jeff Rayburn, the head coach uh, of Lone Star, just giving Jay Nixon the biggest hug. The entire sideline raced down to the end zone to celebrate. It's, it was it was something similar to what you'd see winning a state title. And you're realistically, you're just halfway through the playoff. Yeah, That's and it. it's just going to get harder from yeah. here. Um, so yes, the uh, the state championship dream is still alive for for Frisco Lone Star, a team that we probably expected to be making a, a deep run to this caliber. Ditto for Argyle. Which 
which um, the number one ranked team in 4A Division One, and um, their pursuit of a of a state championship is very much still alive. I was out there in Waco, out at McLean Stadium at Baylor, to see them take on Brownwood. After the way that they uh, they had to just go blow for blow with Stephen Mill in that second round matchup, a game that they ended up pulling away late, you know, it was tied 49-49 yeah. in the second half. They pull away, win that one, 63-49. Um, what would the response be against a uh, a, st a stout Brownwood team? And it's the the beauty of this thing, at least from the Argyle perspective, they win this game first off, 42 to 14. Is you know you see a team like Argyle that has so much talent on offense that they basically played two completely different styles of offense between the game against Brownwood and against Stephenville, mm -hmm. and they were just as successful at both of them. Um, you know, against uh, Stephenville, it was all about that passing game. Bo Hogaboom had one of the uh, a passing performance that you just will not see at the at the high school level too often. He had 458 passing yards and eight touchdowns, and he's not even a traditional football player. He's going to college to play baseball. <laughs> like, imagine being that good. <laughs> this is an off-season sport. <laughs> like, he just plays football probably for fun, and he throws eight touchdowns in a third-round playoff game. Yeah, I mean, must he, be nice. He had eight passing touchdowns. Cole, Cole Kirkpatrick, their lead receiver, he had five receiving. He's been touchdowns. a game changer for that offense. Oh yeah, he, especially with Tito Bryce being out for the year, their their stud running back, and then have a guy like Cole Kirkpatrick, who you know annihilated Salina when they played him as well. Man, he's he's a stud. I'm curious to see because again, like for all we talk about the you know the Marvin Mims, and then even as we'll mention later on, Rock Walls, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Cole Kirkpatrick's got some pretty nice receiving numbers at the four A level as well as yeah, that Argyle offense has just been lights out. But um, but they didn't need to throw the ball a ton against against Brownwood. It was all about that run game, and it's a, it's a run game that's been a little bit depreciated, you know, over the weeks with uh, with their starting running back Tito Bryce. He's out with an injury for the season. They've had to fall back on Luke Ferris, who got dinged up for a bit against Stephenville, and then Knox Scoggins. You know, Ferris was back for the Brownwood game, you know, but they uh, you know they're huge. They uh, they combined uh, you know help the help Argyle run for uh, for 289 rushing yards on almost seven yards per carry. Just really dominated time of possession, and they they only needed. Both Hogum to throw the ball 20 times, and they won, you know, 42 to 14. A, a, you know, a much better performance by that defense, which had a really, really tough time with some of the uh, the, uh, the the firepower that Stephenville offense possessed. And it looked uh, it looked much more like you'd expect out of a team that's ranked number one in the state. You're wondering there against Stephenville, okay, is you know, because with each round of the playoffs, you kind of learn a little bit more about these teams as they face you know more upper echelon competition. And you know, to see them get tripped up against Stephenville, like the Stephenville a team is pretty good though. They some, were. Of, some of those in that region in 4A, a lot of those second round matchups are. Are really mm -hmm. tough, and then we saw that last year when Salina played Stephenville, and Salina yeah. played them really tough, and Salina got re rolling, got really hot. But Stephenville was the better team last year. Everyone was picking Stephenville to, to make a run, and Stephenville has given Argyle good games yeah. in the last couple years. So really, that, that one didn't surprise me. I think that was just a matchup that should have been played later on in the playoffs. But that just shows you how good Argyle is. Yeah. No, I mean Brownwood. Though I mean they're listen, they're a quality team. They're number eight in the state. You know they were uh, you know eleven and one coming into this game. They went to the regional finals last season. I mean, okay. Other than that, I couldn't tell you anything about it. Well, I guess I could say it was, it was going to be there. Uh, they've been there within the last five years. Gotcha, now, I mean, gotcha. they're still a quality program, so it wasn't like they beat up on some scrub. But they're no Argyle. No, no, no. Argyle is in a, in a tier of its own right now. And we'll, um, we'll see now what that means moving forward because they get to rematch La Vega. Coming, uh, we knew this was going to happen. Yeah. We knew. We knew. Everyone knew. And they've already played. They played non-district the last two years. They played yeah. last year. The, uh, yeah, these are two yeah. teams that avoided each other for quite some time. And then uh, Friday, um, back at McLean Stadium, which I wonder if that'll be uh, what kind of impact that's going to have on the atmosphere. Because I can't imagine Waco La Vega High School is too far away from McLean no. Stadium. Um, and uh, they must have flipped. They must have. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it's a case where um, you know this. 
this is going to be the fourth time since September of last year yeah. we're going to have played. You know, Argyle's currently got the lead two to one in that series. But La Vega won the one that really mattered. That's right. So we'll see what it means. Uh, yeah, La Vega, man, La Vega was uh, a little fortunate to squeak by Melissa, forty-five to forty-two. And I, pre- I, I didn't predict a Melissa mm-hmm. win, but I did say they're going to give La Vega a, a big test. Mm-hmm. Not don't don't discredit and overlook Melissa. Yeah. And I, we, I remember we talked about it earlier today. And even though uh, Brendan Lewis didn't have the best game, that Melissa offense is pretty powerful. They still, still move the ball yeah. pretty well against mm-hmm. against La Vega. And they then they had the lead. Late. It was 42 to 35, Melissa, inside yeah. four and a half minutes to go. So uh, LaVega needed some heroics to, uh, to advance to the, uh, to the regional final. So, yes, that game is Friday. We'll talk about that one later on in the week, though, with our, with our Game of the Week podcast and whatnot. Uh, but, yes, Argyle is on to the, uh, onto the fourth round. Lone Star is on to the fourth round. And so is Prosper. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the meme. It's like, look, it's, it's Jesuit and Prosper looking at each other. It's like <laughs> the, the Paul Rudd. The Paul Rudd. Yeah. It's like, look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. Not me. <laughs> no, Alan is at home. Yeah. And Jesuit and Prosper are the two representatives still still kicking a 9-6-A in the fourth it, round. It blows the mind. Mm. Yes, Prosper, which, I mean, hey, you know, we thought that uh, as long as they could avoid uh, falling into the crosshairs of Longview in the second round again, that there was perhaps a pathway where they could get a little hot. But now, would you look at it, man? They are in the, uh, in the regional finals. And it's uh, it's going to be a tall task, but um, nevertheless, though they scored a very very impressive victory over the Woodlands, a pretty convincing one at that. Yeah, I was shocked. Did, did we all pick Prosper to win that game? Uh, I think so, but, but we didn't think it was going to be like that. No, no, I didn't think they'd have that yeah. with them. So um, yeah, I mean, what I know, obviously you couldn't be at that game, Brian. But um, what kind of uh, what kind of stood out in that performance about Prosper taking care of the Woodlands with the ease that they did? I mean, Jackson Berry throwing for 312 yards is season high. What better time to do that yes, than Ideal timing. <laughs> then in the third round against against the Woodlands, I mean Hayden Metcalf, you know he had one of his best games ever: ten catches, 141 yards, and four touchdowns. And you know JT Lane rushes for over 100 yards. It's just when that offense is is really flowing like that, they score touchdowns on their first three drives of the second half to really give them a knockout blow when yeah. things were kind of close there in that first half. It just seemed like the Prosper offense was rolling. They forced four turnovers. You know when you win the turnover battle four to one like that, and your offense is clicking on every single cylinder, mm-hmm. you know it's the perfect storm. And it looks. Like Prosper is is really gelling at the right time. You know, going into the playoffs, it was like, all right, they can't beat the good teams. You know, they're going to have a back and forth game with Mesquite in the second round. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's like, all right, well, against the you know quote unquote elite teams, and I guess you put Jesuit in that category or a team maybe on it's the same final as yes. Jesuit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, we knew they were good. We didn't know that that good, but you know, Jesuit you know annihilated Prosper. Obviously, Allen annihilated Prosper in the regular season, but Prosper annihilated everyone else. Yeah. And it's like, well, that might get them into some trouble once they you know face some form, formidable foes in in the playoffs and. So far, they're I mean they're rolling. It looks like their toughest test was yeah. Mesquite so far. It looks like that early season team, the one that was the yeah. destroyed Flower Mound, and, they and just and really everybody talking like, okay, this might be the team that could really make Allen sweat a little bit, and obviously didn't pan out that way. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a nice turnaround for Prosper. Cool story to see a program that's just in its second year in Six yeah. A, and yeah. they've already made a four round playoff run. At and least they might go further. Who knows? It's that's a tall yes. tall order, and this is their biggest football playoff game in over a decade because they had some some really good runs in 3A and yeah. some runs in 5A but like to do this at the 6A level in just their second year you're in the fourth round that's pretty phenomenal yeah 
Um, yeah, they get Rockwall coming up next, man. You wonder what Allen's got to be thinking when they see that this is how the uh, how the region shook out. Can Allen, you imagine? Which was stopping a, a stopped two point conversion away from advancing over Rockwall, and and if if, if this game was Allen Prosper, Allen is a three touchdown favorite in this game at least. It, yeah, at yeah. least. And but yes, nevertheless, though uh, Prosper will step up and try to do what uh, what no team in the I guess outside of Tyler Lee, they're the only team that's figured out a way to solve Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's about as close to unguardable as, a, as, as we've seen as far as high school receivers go in Texas. And I brought up a good question. At least it was a good question in my head. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to take, if, if take away, you know, put every, all, every Texas high school football player in a pool, let's say like 5A, 4A, 5A, and 6A players, put them in a big pool and redraft, and you have the number one pick, whatever school you are, yeah. Are you taking Jackson Smith and Jigba with your number one pick? I I know it's different in the the NFL and stuff, but for high school, the the impact that he has on a game, like he beat Allen by himself. (laughs) You know, do you take, is Jackson Smith and Jigba the best, at least offensive player? I don't want to discredit some of the defensive guys yeah. because, you know, there's some dominant defensive players. But, I mean, right there with Jaquin and Jackson and Duncanville, like who, who else would you rather have on your offense? He's made as worthy a case as being the best pound-for-pound high school football player in Texas is, is anybody. And that, um, again, yeah, pro- it's, you know, Coach Schmidt and his staff have a uh, – they have a uh, – their work cut out for them having to figure out a way to slow down the, uh, you know, the top receiver in the state, one of the top offenses in the state. I mean, it's, it's a different problem than they had, you know, facing – Jesuit or Allen because those are teams that you know Jesuit has the uh, the, the real dynamic backfield mm-hmm. out of EJ Smith and Jake Taylor and Allen has you know the, uh, the, quarter, the quarterback that can, that can, run, you know, that yeah. can run for you know 150 yards there just isn't anything like Jackson Smith and Jigba though and that's no. what's the Rockwall running game like though I mean Zach Henry's a really good running back in his own right oh yeah I mean, okay. he's averaging you know six seven yards a carry on his own Braden Locks you know one of the top oh well yeah he's, in the he's state a stud yeah a quarterback I mean they've got a but at the same time like you can move the ball again against them, so perhaps if they could get Jackson Berry, JT Lane, Tyler Bailey in that ground game going a bit, then you know, you kind of try to do what uh, what Allen you know wanted to do, and try to you know at least kind of keep that uh, you know keep that Rockwell offense shackled at the sidelines. Mm-hmm. I think that's their only bet because you just you're not going to stop them from scoring. You just have to limit the number of opportunities they get. Um, but yes, shout out to Prosper just for uh, for making it to the fourth round. They, uh, some uh, some happy times over there as they uh, as they continue just to uh, to make this transition to six A. Just looks it shouldn't be this easy for them. But I, mem- I remember last year yeah. I, I talked with the AD Valerie Little. And she said their their goal, obviously, the, you know, they the, they want to make the transition to 6A and, and whatnot in the district. You know, I asked, who's your rival mm-hmm. so far in 6A? Is it, you know, any of the Plano schools? or? And they said, that, no, we want to be compared to a team like Allen, you know, not just in football, mm-hmm. but, you know, see how in girls basketball, how good they were, and other yeah. sports, and soccer, and whatnot. And Prosper really thought, you know, in a lot of other sports, they are better than Allen at, at those. And they said, you know, our rival, and we want to have a better, you know, essentially have a better athletics year, their goal, than Allen. And right now, they've had... They weren't far off last year. They weren't. Yeah. And now, look at this year, there's still a lot of sports left to be played, but it's sports that Prosper's really good at. You know, <laughs> their boys' basketball team's on the right. We'll talk about those yeah, later. And yeah. baseball and softball's really good, and their soccer teams are always really good. You know, with them, you know, advancing further in the playoffs than Allen, 
that could be you know I mean it's all for yeah. all, it's it all ju- it just means like opinion based really but and, like and again it's just how the bracket shook out because if like yeah. if Rockwall steamrolls them then it just means that Allen ran into Rockwall first and yeah. ran into him later true um, but them going to the fourth round adds a little bit more pedigree yeah. to that pro- the Prosper's case oh, there yeah. they're legit no yeah. doubt so um, yeah man Prosper Frisco Lone Star and Argyle are still uh, still vying for championships in the UIL uh, postseason but man the story of the Texas high school football playoffs at least in our <laughs> coverage at least in my coverage area specifically John Paul II. Uh, shift gears, talk a little bit of taps, talk a little bit of private school football. George T, man. John Paul, which just a couple weeks ago was coming off its first ever playoff win, a 21 to 16 grinder over San Antonio Central Catholic, and they're now one win away from a state championship. It's I don't know. It's so impressive. It's a program that you know we thought had a chance to be pretty good coming into the season, just because of the uh, you know some of the talent upgrades that they've uh, that they've had over on that campus. And they you know listen, they showed flashes of brilliance throughout the regular season. They had the huge you know eleven overtime victory over Bishop Dunn. That was their first district victory since two thousand and eight. Um, you know they beat Bishop Lynch later in the season. You know, but they uh, they took a loss to Prestonwood. And they got throttled by Parish Episcopal. You know, and it looked like a team that okay, like this. You know, I think the start are going to align to where they can get a playoff win. But then after that, though, it's, you know, you're probably going to see the, you know, a team like Fort Worth Nolan, you know, just kind of uh, kind of have their way with them. And then instead, John Paul goes out and they crush Nolan, 43-15 to 15 or whatever mm-hmm. it was. It was I mean, just an absolutely emphatic display. And I got to go out to, uh, to Georgetown on Saturday to see them in their state semifinal against San Antonio Antonian, who was coming off a really, really dramatic victory over, uh, over Prestonwood. Hail Mary was this. Did you, I showed you that highlight, didn't I, you did. Yes, you where did. it bounces off the, mm-hmm. the hung of players right into the hands of the Antonian receiver. Um, so yeah, they were uh, they were flying eye heading into that semifinal. This was a weird game. John Paul ends up winning ultimately 31 to 13. This was a, a 14-13 game at halftime. A game that featured four lost fumbles combined within the first quarter and a half. Um, just both teams looked really. I don't know if you just chalk it up to nerves. Yeah. yeah, being in the semis for the uh, yeah. you know, for the first time at the very least for John Paul. Um, but then John Paul just laid waste to him in the second half. I mean, they were down, you know, 14 to seven. You know, at one point in the. Uh, you know, late in the second quarter of this game, and then they score the final 24 points of the game. Uh, their run game with Carson Collins, uh, you know, Grant Robinson, they really get things going. They had a lot of uh, a lot of effective use. They're, they're kind of an inside running team. They decided to switch things up and go a bit to the outside, use some toss plays that they had a lot of success with there in the second half. Um, but the story was just the job the defense did at just absolutely smothering the um, the uh, the Antonian uh, the Antonian offense. I mean, I've I've never seen anything like that fourth quarter from. Uh, from John Paul's pass rush. Over the last four defensive series for John Paul, they had six sacks on Khalil Warfield, who's committed to UTEP, I believe, a pretty quality, uh, you know, quality little quarterback for Antonian. And um, and yeah, and they just they they smoked them, and they ended up winning this thing going away. They fumbled the ball three times in this game, including twice on the one yard line, and they still won this game by 18 points. So this wasn't far off from being a, a 30, 35 point blowout in favor of John Paul. So easily the better team. Yes, as the game went on, yeah, you began to get the sense that they were they dominated the line of scrimmage, and they really really uh, asserted their will over those last two quarters. What's been the biggest attribute to this massive turnaround? Um, it's... 
honestly, it's just been like they just have the talent now to compete with the uh, you know the Preston Woods. Was it George? T- you know George. They, they've had some kids. I mean, like yeah, they've definitely had some transfers come in that have definitely impacted things a bit compared to compared to years past when they just didn't have the depth yeah. to hang with a lot of those heavyweights. And because you look at, I mean, programs like Preston Wood and Dunn and Lynch. I mean, they're cranking out just numerous Division One prospects, you know, by the score. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, just to have kids that can at least compete with that, it just it's such a different ball game for them. But again, you still had to put it all together between the years because for as much promise as they showed, there were still instances where like they, they lose to Preston Wood, you know, twenty two to ten, you know, and you know Parish Episcopal beats them, you know, forty seven to seven. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was again like something about that Nolan game, just something clicked and just everything began, especially defensively, the execution just went up a notch. And they've now they've they've now taken down some legitimate heavyweights and taps, and I'm fascinated to see what it means because that uh, that championship game on Friday noon out in uh, out in Waco at Midway uh, Panther Stadium, and they're going to rematch Parish, who again destroyed them 47 to seven back in district play. But a lot has changed about John Paul since then, man. They're playing with a completely different swagger, and they uh, they're uh, they've got some. They've just been rolling in a way that mm-hmm. they uh, that they weren't, and you know, I granted, yes, you know, Parrish has been, they've been just taking down everybody this season. You know, they beat TC Cedar Hill, you know, on ESPN, which tells you all you need to know about their resume. I mean, they've been them, and it felt like them and Nolan were kind of on a crash course to meet in the state title game this season, and then JP destroys Nolan, and we'll see if you know, perhaps maybe getting a game against Parrish on tape, you know, what kind of adjustments they make. Mm-hmm. But um, it's. Uh, again, it's a different John Paul team than you know than just uh, you know four or five weeks ago. But to what extent, I don't know. You know, Parrish is loaded. They got one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Pre- uh, Preston Stone. So we will, uh, yeah, we will see, man. But yeah, what a uh, what a cool moment for this uh, for that program, man. Again, it's it's one thing to have like yeah, again to get your first playoff win ever. That's cool, you know, to get your first district win, you know, since you know in over a decade. Like that's another impressive milestone, but. Now to be one on the doorstep of a state championship, man. What a what an improbable run this has been for the Cardinals. Um, and yeah, that is a look at the uh, at the four teams that are still kicking in um, in our playoff coverage. We had a few though that had to bow out, you know, play their final games of the season. We will talk a little bit about their games after a word from this sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now, let's get back to the podcast. And we are back as we continue to play some catch-up from the latest round of the high school football playoffs. We have uh, talked about the teams that have advanced into uh, into this week's action. Had a few, though, that had to bow out over the weekend, Brian, including a couple in Frisco ISD. You know, we talked about what a, what a hallmark postseason this was shaping up to be for Frisco ISD with three teams going at least three rounds deep. And... Uh, Lone Star is still alive. The pursuit of a state championship of Frisco ISD football is still very much in play, but they're the uh, they are the sole survivor of the third round from FISD. Is Independence and Frisco High both had their other seasons come to an end. Um, we talked about what is uh, up next for uh, for Lone Star, and that being a, a showdown with Mighty Lancaster. And uh, Independence learned that in a rough way <laughs> on Friday, man. The win for Lone Star marked the most wins in one postseason for Frisco ISD. And it was the first time ever that three Frisco teams had made it to the third round, which is you know, a lot to do with them being in two different districts, but still, that's a hard thing to do. So, uh, you know, a huge congrats, you know, to teams like Independence making the third round for the first time ever. And Frisco getting back to where they've been much of the decade, especially after you know, an 0-10 season just two years ago. Um, you know, but Independence, man, they... 
they 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 just ran into the better team. Yeah. Plain and simple, Lancaster is a better team overall. You know, Trey Bradford, stud running back. Their defense is just phenomenal. They held, you know, Independence to just three points for much of the game until Independence scored late in the fourth quarter to make it thirty-four to ten to kind of keep it respectable. But this, you know, it, it was three to nothing. You know, at halftime. Um, Independence, you know, neither team was able to get anything going, but then Lancaster just really, you know, put uh, the, you know, the pedal to the metal there in the second half. And, you know, we've, we've seen Lancaster do that with the Colony. We've seen it do it with McKinney North and now at Frisco Independence. That defense is the real deal. And they just ran into, you know, like I said, the better team. Um, Braylon Braxton, you know, he did all he could do uh, in this game. Um, About as much as the, uh, the, Lancaster, the Lancaster defense is letting anybody do these days. Seriously, seriously. I mean, he's 75 yards through the air, uh, 75 more, 79 more yards on, on the ground. Um, not much, you know, Elijah Arroyo was, was the guy in this game, you know, five catches, 52 yards. But Kion Wafer, who's been that go-to receiver all year long, he only had two receiving yards. And that's nothing new. We've seen Lancaster yeah. shut down. Uh, what's the kid Keith from McKay North? Uh, oh, J.J. Uh, J.J. Henry. Henry. Shut him down, what, two catches for four yards, four catches for two yards, vice versa. Keith Henry or uh, Keith Miller, two catches uh, for the colony. Two yards, yeah. Yeah, this is nothing new. They know how to shut down, um, you know, wide receiver ones, elite wide receivers. Hopefully, Marvin Mims has something up his sleeve, um, and they, they Lone Star can kind of see what Lancaster was able to do against those three teams. But yeah, Independence just running into just a complete juggernaut of a defense. And then you know it was a close game for a half, but then you also look at what the Lancaster run game was able to do in the second. Trey Bradford, Trey man. Bradford yeah. man, and that's just what they do, man. They just wear you down up front. Yeah. It's just so impressive what this defense has done through three rounds when you consider, like, all year long just the praise that we've heaped on McKinney North and the Colony and Frisco Independence and just these high-flying spread offenses. Uh, combined those three teams, McKinney North, the Colony, and Independence, the three teams that have faced Lancaster in the first three rounds of the playoffs. During the regular season, they uh, combined those three offenses average 45.7 points per game. But against Lancaster, they averaged 22.3. That's that defense is just on another level right now. And yeah. Again, I, I'm fascinated to know what it means against the best team going right now in 5A Division One. It'll be uh, the best defense that Lone Star has seen by a mile. Um, but, yeah, a, uh, still a great year, though, for the Knights, being able to get this far. For sure. And Frisco High, yes. too, man. They might have just ran into a better team as well. Ennis, With you know, another great defense, too. Yes, and we, we saw what they did against... Reedy yeah. shutting them out, thirty-four to nothing, yeah. and they shut out Frisco seventeen to nothing. You know when, when the first okay, so Frisco they rely on that wing tee. No matter what, you know, Kerry Carrie Green has made it. You know, and Chase Lowry they've added another element. Yeah. You know, a passing game. We know about that. But their bread and butter has been their running game, obviously all year. When you have thirty-eight rushing yards. And you lose the turnover battle. Yeah, that's not. You're gonna lose seventeen to nothing. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not ideal for a team that is really predicated on on running the football, running the football, running the football. You know, Bryson Clemens has been their guy all year, and he had nine carries for twenty one yards. What? Yeah. How, how does that happen? <laughs> um, but but yeah, they just weren't able to get that running game going against a really stout Ennis. Um, Ennis defense, and mm-hmm. now Ennis has to face a team in Alito yeah. that I was able to I was able to kind of check them out a little bit. 
because that was the game after Lone Star Highland Park, mm -hmm. part of that triple header at AT&T Stadium. As I was kind of finishing up my stuff, my, my gamers and, and whatnot for Lone Star. Uh, and every time I looked up, it was Jace McCullen, <laughs> deep touchdown. Jace McCullen, um, Earl, that Earl two, yeah. Stone or whatever his name, Earl Steele um, for Alito. I think he was committed to Texas Tech as a sophomore. He was oh. he was scoring. An old time. Big 12 backfield. Seriously. <laughs> uh, and then there, I saw a scoop and yeah. score at one yeah. point. They really just handed it to Red Oak. Yeah. And, and it's is going to have their hands full with those guys. And then the uh, the last team that we bidded due to was Marcus. Marcus, which um, much like these other two, having its uh, its best playoff run in a long time. Marcus, who is bound for the uh, for the third round, I should say, for the for the first time since 1997. Some uh, some happy wow. times over there with the Marauders as they carried an 11 game win streak into a uh, Saturday's matchup with Amarillo Tuscosa, a team that we uh, you know don't know a ton about just because of obviously the proximity relative to the rest of our coverage area. But a team that we know uh, we know all too well, though, what you're going to get stylistically from them, and that's a team that, well, as of now, doesn't even need to complete a pass to win a football game, which they've now done twice this postseason. <laughs> they, um, they, uh, they, they only attempted two passes on, uh, on Friday, on Saturday against Marcus. Didn't complete either, but they still have 468 rushing yards with that, uh, that triple option flex bone uh, offense of theirs. And that's the thing, man. If they were able to run the ball that effectively, then it's just they're going to be such a tough out for yeah. everybody because you factor in how much time of possession that had to accumulate, and you know with Marcus, which has one of the uh, one of the better offenses in the entire Metroplex among six A teams, they have just 273 yards, you know against, uh, and then you look at the. Uh, just the uh, again, 66 rushes, 66 rushes by any offense, and that's just it's tough to combat that. And um, you know, Marcus didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, they get you know 163 passing yards from Garrett Nussmeyer, well below par for what he usually you know puts out there. He had two touchdowns. You know, J. Michael Sturdivant had nine catches, but for 49 yards and a touchdown. So the Tascosa defense wasn't giving up anything yeah. either. Um, you know, the uh, the run game just never took off for Marcus. So um, yeah, this was a game that kind of got out of hand uh, early on. You know, they end up losing. This game, forty-six to fourteen. They were down, uh, you know, what twenty-six to six in the first half. Um, yeah, just Tascosa just really kind of implementing its bread and butter. And when they're able to, you know, kind of play things at their pace, when you're one of those teams that plays a very specific, unique style of football like that, that's predicated on playing with the lead, winning time of possession. If you're able to consistently do those things, that's just that's going to be tough for anybody to beat. You know, so still doesn't take away from the kind of year Marcus had. You know, they ended up, uh, you know winning a, a district championship that nobody saw coming oh. out in 6-6-A you know, with all the talk about Flower Mound and Hebron and Louisville and whatnot. The Marauders just kind of snuck up and had their best season in, in a long time. And a lot of those guys are going to be back next year, including quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer, uh, the lead receiver J. Michael Sturdivant, plenty of guys on defense. So the Marauders are in a, they're just getting started, man. But they've, uh, they've built a nice little thing here under uh, under Kevin Atkinson. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it comes to an end against a, a, pretty, a pretty solid test goes to team, which I'm, I'm now that that matchup against Denton Geyer in the uh, in the Region One final. Um, that all of a sudden looks uh, much more compelling now, mm -hmm. just the role that Tascos has been on. But um, but yes, we uh, we bid adieu to Marcus and Frisco and Independence and whatnot. But we still got a few teams that are left kicking in the postseason. All four of them are up for Game of the Week later this week, yep. or maybe our last poll for Game of the Week, just because you know eventually we're just going to run out of matchups to to put on the poll and whatnot. So you can uh, nevertheless go to our website at StarLocalMedia.com to vote on which one is the biggest, whether it's Lone Star and Lancaster, Prosper and Rockwall, Argyle La Vega, or John Paul. And Parish Episcopal, and we'll be back on Thursday to break down the uh, whatever is voted this game of the week, plus those other three marquee matchups. This has been Matt Welsh, Brian Murphy. Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. 
Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.